and by the way, while we're talking about people's, you know, sexual behaviors, can we have maybe a grand jury impaneled for Bill Clinton getting on Jeffrey Epstein's plane and going down? Because I guess former presidents are now, you know, completely fair game. It's also one side of the aisle, right? This is the well. It was both sides on the well. No, no. Epstein's tr- no Trump, Trump never went to the island. That is not true. Trump and Epstein hated each other. There's a lot of misinformation. That Netflix did a lot of damage here. Trump kicked Epstein out of the club. He never went to the island. There's no evidence he ever engaged in the Epstein's nonsense. In fact, he kicked Epstein out because he was preying on young women. Bill Clinton did go to the island. Dershowitz went to the island, and maybe some other people. That's what we know of. But Trump never went to the island. It's so funny that this, this whole thing takes place and nobody is willing to open it up and go deeper to see what really happened there. You know, what, what was, uh, uh, who do we have on a couple months ago who talked about the Epstein Island? Uh, Rob, who, was, who, who do we have, have on uh, a couple? What was her name? She was Whitney, Whitney Webb, Webb yeah. which, by the way, she did a phenomenal job and she can't People even live in the States. Yeah, episode. they loved what she had to say. What, what's the likelihood that we'll ever in our lifetime, learn about what happened on Epstein Island and, you know, any of the guys that will be held accountable for it. What, what's the number below zero? <laughs> you really think it's not going to happen at all? Oh, yeah. I mean, so my, my hypothesis on Epstein, he was an intelligence asset either for the American government or for the Israelis. He had a Potemkin village of an investment facade. Anyone that met him, there's a very powerful YouTube video, Eric Weinstein, talks about this in detail so this is not my theory he talks about it he says when i sat down with jeffrey epstein and it makes sense because he had the most expensive real estate and he wasn't that sophisticated and we talked about investments and there were not a lot of recorded trades on the addresses he disclosed for his financial activity and he only had one investor and it's all very strange right but it makes sense that if you were trying to run an intelligence operation either for the saudis or for the israelis or for the american government that you would try to get the most powerful people in compromising situations with underage girls, capture it on film, and then be able to use it and blackmail for blackmail. So I don't know all the details, but you're dealing with something that's deeper than just kind of a high society pimp. That's you, essentially you, what Whitney Webb did point out. It, was, it wasn't even necessarily Epstein. It was his uh, right-hand woman, Jelaine Maxwell. Jelaine, yeah. Yeah. That her father was undoubtedly yeah, some sort of he asset was a, he, from, from Assad. From Assad yeah, and he owned newspapers in the He was UK. a powerhouse. But Rupert Murdoch and him went at Robert it. Robert Maxwell, Murdoch, I think his name was. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly his name. Robert Maxwell, yes. So you're saying less than 0%, right? The fact that we find out what actually happened on the island, it's not, it's not going to happen. Who would lead that charge, though? You know, you see a January 6th committee or a 9-11 committee. No but I mean, that, that, who, only who's one advocating person, for that? Only one person could who, pull Trump? it out. No, no, no. It's 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 like a uh, 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 what do you call these uh, um, w- uh, WikiLeaks guy uh, Julian, Julian Assange. Assange. Julian Assange. Yeah. It's got to be some it Snowden. Be it's got to be yeah. somebody like that, and you got to be living in a different place to pull it off and hack into it and gather the community because they have communicated. So there's some way somebody oh, Bill can Gates get went to the island too. That's right. Bill Gates went to the island. I'm sorry, I forgot. But Obviously. Bill Gates went to fix the Microsoft Outlook email for <laughs> yes. Epstein because he was having yes. problems. And it wasn't just the island. It was this massive ranch in New Mexico, too, right? Huge ranch that underage girls were trafficked to. And remember, this wasn't just American government officials. Prince Harry, right? Is that it? No, not Harry. Not Prince no, Harry. William. Edward. Prince Edward. Edward. Randy Andy. Yeah. Prince Andrew. Andrew. As they I'm call sorry. him in I the get, I get all, not Harry. Randy Andy. I get him all Prince Andrew. Up. No, no. Right. Harry is. Yeah, Harry is. Harry's a whole different Santa thing. Barbara. Yeah, Prince Andrew was also uh, part of Epstein's orbit. So, 
Did you see, uh, uh, just to bring up Harry, if you want to recognize them, they're nonprofit. They have to prove how many hours a week they contributed to a nonprofit. You know how many hours they had to prove? Did you see it? One hour a week. Nice. That's e- hard work. $11 million, I believe, they've raised. Uh, th- what's the $13 million they've raised. They've given $3 million, $3 million, and they contribute an hour a week to their charity. That's some hardworking people right there. Let me just around. say one final thing on the Epstein thing. I don't mean to belabor the point, but when I first started to go to Palm Beach and I visited Palm Beach 10 years ago, I started to hear kind of one-off comments about, oh, yeah, that house right there, uh, that's Jeffrey Epstein, and he's uh, trafficking young girls. People knew in the area. and then I You were 19 at the time. I was 19, 20 years old. Okay. Yeah. They would just casually point this out no, just it was as a matter of, of fact? Because remember, Epstein was indicted like 15 years prior for similar activities, so it was kind of out there, right? Yeah. Uh, I think it was Acosta, actually, that was the U.S. Attorney General, who ended up being one of Trump's cabinet officials that was the U.S. attorney. I could be wrong about that, but there was some connective tissue there. And anyway, no one really took it seriously. And then I remember it was either Rogan or somebody in 14 or 15, before all this, started to talk about Epstein's Island. And you were smeared as a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> as a consp- if you would have said in 15, in public decent society, that there was a targeted campaign with former presidents and the world's richest man, who Bill Gates was at the time, to go to a remote island in the Caribbean to go be able to have sex, sexual relations with underage girls, you would have been laughed out of the room. Now we know that's a fact. Why do I say that? Be careful what you call a conspiracy theory. It's a thought-terminating cliche that actually might lead you to something true. By, by the way, uh, Rob, I'm going to send this to you. I love what you just said. I'm going to send this to you. Can you pull this up from APA News? Uh, uh because a lot of times you hear things like this, and you're like, well, you know, conspiracy. There, there are a lot of conspiracy theorists out there, and you're seeing right now a lot of conspiracy theorists saying, you know, we're undefeated. All these things came true. You know, we CIA were right. That came up with it. exactly. If you but but look at the article. It's not written by Breitbart. If you open this up, and you go to it, conspiracy theory, okay, coined long before JFK assassination. Go lower to take a look at the article. Okay, claim the terms conspiracy theories were created by CIA agency following APS assessment. False recorded use of the phrase conspiracy theory dates back to 1863, and it was notably invoked reports following the 1881 shooting then President James Garfield more than 60 years before the CIA uh, was established. An academic review of the digital library found the term conspiracy theories has been published at least in the last... What, what do you say to some like this where they're, they're quick to jump on it to say CIA didn't come up with a conspiracy theory? You mean that theory. they're calling it a conspiracy theory? Yes. That conspiracy theory came from the CIA? Yes. Go, go read the Church and Pike documents. The Church and Pike Committee was the most effective House and Senate oversight of the U.S. intelligence agencies. They received death threats. They were followed and intimidated. They came up with it. So it's not like we pulled it out of thin air. The Church and Pike Committee discovered not just the heart attack gun, which is a real thing, by the way. They discovered a gun that they could shoot somebody and make it look like they had a heart attack, fake an autopsy. But they discovered that the Central Intelligence Agency, via Operation Mockingbird, a real thing, used the, t- the term conspiracy theory and got it into public opinion as a way to try to discredit dissident opinion. It's in the Church and Pike uh, documents, so people can read it for themselves. The Church and Pike Committee was, what, what year did it? Was it 70-something? Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, 76, right? Um, yeah, I mean, it's all there. There are thousands of pages of documents that most Americans aren't even aware of. You'll learn more about your government. Co- Cointel, Co- I can never pronounce it right. Cointelpro, Operation Mockingbird. Um, there's five or six of these projects that the intelligence agencies are running that the Pike Committee uncovered. 
in your opinion, all this conspiracy theory stuff, what turned out to be the biggest non-conspiracy yes. theory? Epstein's and, up there. And, and what do you think is actually a conspiracy theory okay. that Americans yeah. like, hey, sorry to break it Lie to you. Lie versus truth is a better. Yeah, I yeah. hear what you're saying. Go ahead. Um, well, I mean, there's, there's several. I mean, one of the ones we lived under in the last couple of years was that somehow closing schools and getting kids away from each other is somehow going to stop the spread of the virus. And if you push back against it, you're anti-science and you're believing in conspiracy theories, mm-hmm. right? That's a really big one. Um, how about that the vaccine is safe and effective and going to stop transmission? I mean, they said My mom it, got diagnosed with COVID today. She had every booster on the planet. Yeah. So, I mean, that was... So, today. That, that today. Was, that I'm was like, how are you feeling, mom, theory? COVID? Yeah. Uh, out of nowhere. I think, the, I think there's a lot to the JFK assassination. I personally believe there was more than one shooter. I think there's a lot of evidence to support that. Uh, we don't know that for a fact because they keep on suppressing the release of those documents. Um, I, I think that this idea that somehow we got off a metallic-based currency just for good and noble reasons, I think is insane. Just read The, Cre- the Creature of Jekyll Island, which is, I think, one of the most illuminating mm-hmm. uh, books on currency. Pat so- took his, his whole team to Jekyll Island at one point. Did you oh, know Oh, yeah. We had a, in yeah. the room where they came up with the whole thing, we had a meeting there. Yeah. So anyway, I could go Continue, on and on. Yeah. But no, I mean, there, there, there's, there's several of them. How about this? Uh, when we used to say that there weren't weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, we were all called conspiracy theorists. Turns yep. out there weren't. Um, they found some biological and chemical agents, but nothing near what they told us it was, right? Which was kind of the core centerpiece of, I think, the illegal mistake to invade Iraq, one of the worst mistakes in American history. Yep. So what, what's on the flip side? Well, uh, what do you mean? Meaning, like, what actually probably is a conspiracy theory? Oh, um, man. You, you Did get, we land on the moon? Is the Earth I, I, round? I actually, oh, yes, the, we do. We do have a spherical rounder. Yes, <laughs> I, 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 you, yes, that 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 is correct. You could prove it, yeah. um, and you could prove it mathematically. You could prove it flying in a plane. You could prove you could prove it when you see a boat that all of a sudden just disappears <laughs> on the horizon. That's how you know you live on a spherical rounder. No, those are the dragons over the edge. Yeah, that's right. That's so, why we have to carve the uh, the goddess in the front of our boat to protect us. <laughs> how about, how about I, I the moon? How about the moon? moon you think I, we landed on the moon? Yeah, I do. I think yeah. we landed on the moon. And the mm-hmm. reason being is that, look, it's, I, I don't have any, I'm going to get so much hate mail for this, and that's fine. But generally, that one seemed too big to cover up. That there would take too many people and too mm-hmm. many actors and too many fake stories. And I think there was a really good Mythbusters that actually went against the kind of flag-waving part of it. Again, I don't... What about uh, 9-11? I do not think it was an inside job. I think our government probably had, had aforementioned notice. Yeah, I think our government probably knew that 9-11 was going to happen. That They had ignored intelligence reports. There's too much to suggest that we allowed the hijackers into our country, and we did nothing to stop it. So, so you do think it was an inside That's job? That's not an inside job necessarily. Oh, okay. An inside job would say that the government was actively planning explosives and wanted it to happen. I think that there was probably a turn of the head on, for whatever reason, you could figure it out, and we probably will one day, um, of some sort of domestic attack that the, Isl- the Islamic fundamentalists were plotting or planning. But I think it goes too far to say that our government was planting explosives in the World Trade Center. I, I don't see any evidence of it. I, I want to read a couple other stories here. So sure. We can keep going know, into my opinions. <laughs> crisis, crisis, crisis. Like, you know, we talked earlier about what's going to happen, what needs to happen for America to be united. We talked about different crises. This is one of the ones that... You know, a lot of people are calling me about and asking me, what do you think about what's going to happen here? And it's coming up a lot lately. China and Brazil strike deal to ditch the U.S. dollar. This is a zero-hedge story. And, you know, they have reached a deal to trade in their own currencies, bypassing the U.S. dollar. This deal 
will allow the two countries to conduct their massive trade, which amounts to $150 billion per year, and financial stra- uh, transactions directly exchanging Juan for Rios's, Rios's uh, vice versa. This deal is part of Beijing's latest move against the U.S. dollar, extending its bilateral U.S. dollar attempting currency arrangement beyond countries such as Russia, Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, to now include Latin American exporting powerhouse. While we are still strong, long away from the one replacing the U.S. dollar as a global reserve currency, the current U.S. ruling regime is destroying the world's faith and confidence, not only in the dollar, but in what was once a superpower in and is increasingly a third world banana republic. Tom. So I I think what most people need to understand, and this is where I think uh, Americans need to step back off headlines and just learn something very, very quickly. And that is 1944, there was something called Brenton Woods. And that's where the U.S. dollar was tied to gold. In other words, the value of the U.S. dollar was connected to the value of gold. And between Fort Knox and other areas, we had gold reserves. So the U.S. currency on a global scale was deemed as being valuable, tied to gold, and stable. And in 1944, everyone came to this agreement to say, hey, let's peg the value of our currency to the dollar because the dollar is pegged to gold and it brought international global stability. It also created the dollar as the world's reserve currency. Well, what does that mean? That means if you have extra reserves and you bought them in dollars, they were stable because they were tied to the gold. Now, Nixon, and we can talk about what you just referenced a minute ago, was Nixon taking us off the gold standard 72-73, which had nothing to do with the Vietnam War and political instability in the economy at that time. It was deeper. I'm with you. It was deeper reasons. That was the front excuse. The right now, you know what the average is right now on world reserves? 62% right. of countries' reserves are held in U.S. dollars. 62% right now. And so even though we went off the gold standard, we're the reserve currency. So people see the United States currency as very stable. That's what's important. And what we're seeing here is the wand. Everybody here is the wand. Well, that's a unit of measure. The actual currency in China is called the renminbi. That's their dollar. Dollar equals renminbi. Wan is like a unit. And so what they want is they want to slowly, remember, China plays a long game. They want to slowly replace the dollar as the world's reserve currency. Because, Will they succeed? Huh? Will they succeed? Well, they're taking one step at a time, and they're starting with African nations that they put into. By the way, you can also go study mercantilism, where you come in and you take all the resources, and then you sell them back things that are made out of the resources. So China is in an active state right now of assisting many small regional Latin American and African nations on deals that are intentionally going to go bad and then leave them with the collateralization of the country they've just pillaged. And so long term, if somebody doesn't stand up long term, sure, China could be successful because they're playing this not the way the West plays it. The West has played the game in terms of history, in terms of regimes, a regime of leadership. China is playing this long term in terms of of decades. Dynasties. Charlie, what 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 are you thinking? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I don't mean to interrupt. Uh, I I agree. I think the dollar... It's going gonna, it's gonna to hit a flat line because Germany, South Korea, and Japan are not going to drop the dollar as a world reserve currency. And especially Germany and Japan, 
uh, they, pr they produce a lot of value and a lot of wealth. And so the euro backstopping the world reserve currency, meaning the, the dollar being the backstop of the euro, is actually in our benefit. But India is going to be the big question, right? If India falls, mm -hmm. that's a growing market. Yep. Brazil is a totally corrupt country. They're a broken country. The bulls on Brazil have been wrong the last 20 years. It's like a trillion-dollar GDP. You could fact-check me on it. They're mainly a natural resource hub, and they have a real hard time with their own homegrown industry. And there was like, 1.6000000000000 I was about right. Uh, it's actually flatlined and gone down in recent years. So the bulls on Brazil have been wrong. And with Lula now becoming president, they're going to become a wholly owned colony of the Chinese Communist Party. Basically, that's what Brazil... Catastrophic for the nation, it's by terrible. the way. Yeah. No, the, the future of Brazil is put in permanent jeopardy because of Bolsonaro not be, you know, staying as president, prime minister. And everybody thought BRIC through the 90s was just an acronym for emerging nations. Yes. You know, Brazil, Russia, India, China. It wasn't. It was a coalition over there that wanted to undermine U.S. authority on That's a global right. trade basis. So w we need a new president because I don't think Joe Biden seems awfully worried that the dollar is no longer becoming the world reserve currency. You can say that it wasn't a good idea for us to become the world reserve currency. However, it's a fact that if we stop being the world reserve currency, every single person in America gets significantly poor overnight. The fact that people have to turn their goods and services into dollars is kind of a stimulus boost just baked into our economy. We're, we're, a, we're kind of a, we're a place of last resort, a refuge, if you will. It's a built-in advantage that we don't even recognize or realize till we travel the world. But I think we have more staying power than people realize. There's a lot of entrepreneurs. We create a lot of value in this country. as some very valuable companies. Despite the fact that we're service-based, we still have a lot of natural resources. We have a manufacturing beast that can still be unleashed if necessary. So we have a lot of advantages. With that being said, though, this current administration seems unbothered by any of this. And, I mean, what we need is a new regime. You're right. We do think in, time, you know, in terms of regime. Hopefully it's President Trump. And we go directly after the CCP. But a lot of this is centered on a border dispute on eastern Ukraine. All of this is, it, if that was not happening the way it was happening, a lot of these chips would not be falling into place, in my opinion. That is the beginning domino. Because then Russia said, okay, screw you. We're going to go grow closer to China. You know, we're no longer, for the first time ever, Russia has just dropped basically all their dollars out of the central bank because we made them when we put sanctions on them. By the right. way, what is that? What does that say for world reserve currency status? This is why our leaders are so stupid. We basically confiscated the dollars out of the Russian central bank. That's not exactly safe and secure. Basically, countries are saying, wait a second, you can just confiscate our dollars? Like We went after them and just grabbed the dollars and said, yep, they're no longer valid, you know, converted into rubles. And Russia said, okay, well, that's an act of war, which it is. And so I think a lot of this is centered on this eastern, you know, border right. dispute. We could talk about that if you'd like. I think it's incre incredibly important. I don't think people have really thought through the ramifications mm -hmm. of our involvement in Ukraine. It's, and then when Xi comes over and says, hey, I have a plan B for you in this currency thing. Tell you what, let's take something really valuable. I've got it. Energy. Yeah, that's I right. need energy. And energy has a hard unit of value coming out of the ground, just like gold does. And so what Xi did is he got value in the form of resources for the renminbi in a, in a deal that looks like a trade deal, but it's a currency deal with Russia. That's right. Yeah, it's, it's bad all across the board. But make no mistake, with the proper president, the right president, we can crack that alliance in nine months. These countries, China has a lot of domestic well, what problems. What would Trump do? You're, so, okay, you're saying that. So Trump gets, a, let's just say he's 2024, okay. he wins. What's he doing? Well, first, he could go back to what we already had, which is 
you have a peace immediately brokered in eastern Ukraine, immediately. You go in there and you end this stupid war, you end this proxy war. You, you then try to create intentional separation between Russia and China and keep them in their own corners. You go to the Saudis and you say, knock it off. You're going to keep on using the dollar for the petrodollar. You save OPEC, which will increase the dollar strength as a world reserve currency. And then you have to go after the CCP in like a 15-point targeted plan. You pull their visas from being able to go to Europe. You put targeted sanctions on them. There's, 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 again, I'm not exactly saying anything that hasn't been thought through through really serious scholars. But we have to have a serious plan to punish the CCP for what they did with the virus, covering it up and lying about it. And then also their hyper-aggressive action with Belt and Road, cyber warfare, infiltrating the American economy. Some of that comes with a price and a cost. But then more than anything else, Trump, if he becomes president again, will be energy independent again. There'll be economic confidence restored. I think that we'll see inflation put under control because we'll actually have a rebirth of market stability. Right now, people are confused. They're uncertain. They're afraid of their own shadow. Everyone's looking at what the central bank is doing. Entrepreneurs can't operate in an environment like this. And that's why you're seeing business startups go down. You're mm -hmm. seeing acquisitions slow down. Whether we're in a recession or not, I think we are in a recession. It really is an indictment of the lack of confidence coming from the current regime. We don't know if a big tax bill is going to be passed. We don't know if the regulators are going to be thrown at us. We need President Trump to do what he did for four years, which is to unshackle the American economy. Can I and, ask you a don't leave question out, on this? Don't leave out Taiwan. Is that the question between China and Taiwan is market share of semiconductors. This got nothing to do with righting a wrong of Chiang Kai-shek. Yeah, that's correct. That's why we should build as many domestic semiconductor plants as and, possible. <laughs> this is not lost on Donald J. Trump. And Taiwan will he not happen it. that Taiwan won't happen that the way. De and they know it. The, and they know the old it. Portuguese name for it. Yeah. yeah, my question to Charlie is this. I'm glad you brought up the acronym BRIC, which I think has now been updated to BRICS because uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and now South Africa is now yeah. the, the latest the component of that. The mighty power of South Africa. The mighty power of South yeah. Africa. Um, all facetious is right no, there. I don't mean to make fun of South Africa. It's not exactly a world power. <laughs> hey, but, Elon yeah. Musk is going to be very upset when he hears you uh, commenting on his native country. I think you would agree. He's an, an African-American. lump of natural he, Here's my question. I, I don't think there was anything like... China was going to do this regardless. We know that they've been trying to come after yep. the American superpower, and that's just what's on their agenda, tw China 2030. Russia was never going to cozy up to America. They're always going to be aligned with China in some regard. My question is India. I don't, th I don't think China and India are aligned whatsoever. No, they're not natural partners. So I, They're not natural partners whatsoever. They so hate each other, actually. Exactly. So what's their role in this? Because I always thought that they as the, the most populated democracy in the world, yeah. outside of America. Where is India's role in that? Not that you're this India-Pacific expert, but no, I mean, you I, seem I, to have I, a, I a very good grasp things. on what's Look, going on I mean, here. India's a tricky country. You, you can't trust their government. They're doing deals with Iran, and they're doing all sorts of weird stuff for energy. But India should be the most natural partner and hedge. You could squeeze China through a bilateral agreement with Korea, Japan, and India. And that's why America needs to be actively involved in the room and calling balls and strikes, using sanctions and tariffs where necessary, and using the global reserve currency status to be able to effectuate meaningful geopolitical change, which of which you know, we do not have right now. I disagree a little bit. I think Russia's run by a bunch of thugs and mobsters. I think Russia wants whatever is best for Russia. I don't think necessarily Russia and China are these natural partners. I think we made it that way. I think what Donald Trump was trying to do was he was trying to keep Russia in some sort of a 
kind of ambiguous middle neutral area phase and then jab at China. Remember, Trump put he put sanctions on China. He, you know, improved a lot of diplomatic diplomats be expelled from China. He Mm -hmm. was putting a lot of different he was trying to kind of create some form of a jab against the CCP. The problem right now is the CCP is able to run undeterred right now. There, there is no counterbalance from America. So, I mean, look, for example, if we had an actual regime that cared about saving America, like, okay, China, you're going down to Brazil to go do a new deal, 15% export now tariff immediately on pick your product. Just make them feel it a little bit, a little bit of, you know, make them think twice. So there's no, there's no cost to it. And look, China has a lot of domestic problems. They have hundreds of millions of people living in legitimate third world poverty, despite the appearance that Xi Jinping puts on like he's the most popular leader ever. There's legitimate dissent against the CCP. The CCP is run by a group of mobsters and thugs with no more than 5% of the popular support. Mm -hmm. And so they got their own ticking time bomb. They have ghost cities. They manipulate their currency. They have bank runs that happen far too often. They suppress a lot of the news there. They're not a free society. They think they can kind of do this Marxist Orwellian digital surveillance state. I actually think that's unsustainable. I think it's going to break eventually. I could be wrong. And so China likes to posture as this really strong man. We could destabilize the Chinese Communist Party in nine months with a proper president. Um, The question is, do we want to? The only question then is, why don't we? It's because they've captured our elites. And they call it elite capture in actually Mandarin. They have purchased the head of the NBA. They purchased the Wall Street. They purchase, you know, the top People, Peter Schweitzer put this in his book, Red Handed, where he talks about how the American elites are bought and paid for by the CCP. Um, There's a great expression in Mandarin, and it's roughly translated, uh, little bad talk, big help, which means they might talk a bad game against China, but they're a big act of help. Mm -hmm. Um, You look at the cover. He has Elon Musk on there, which I think is a little unfair, but he has Joe Biden, John Boehner, Nancy Pelosi, LeBron James. I think that's Henry Kissinger and then uh, Bill Gates all of which would benefit tremendously from the Chinese Communist Party. And then you see what happens when like, a famous American actor like uh, John Cena steps out of line. Yep, immediately put back into place. Yeah. Or the in en- uh, Mandarin. Or the NBA was <laughs> regulating who could wear things in the stands of free, uh, free Hong Kong protester shirts. Remember that? It's kind of a story that was suppressed a couple years ago. Yeah, with Daryl Morey. You know, yep, you were not allowed to even that. go into a National Basketball Association game with free Hong Kong T-shirts. So it's a hyper, I mean, you, you think about it, it's... These associations, Hollywood especially, Hollywood banking and sports are the three major industries that are controlled by the Chinese Communist Party. Hollywood banking. There's more than that. Tech too, but not even as much as Hollywood banking and sports. The fact that we're being apologetic to them, like, hey, we're so sorry. What can we do to make you happy? And you can easily, you America helped China become who they are today with, with the without, relationships over the years. Yeah, I mean, I don't mean to interject, but without us giving them favored nation status, without the 1999 World Trade Organization Treaty, they are a third world country, yeah. period. And we basically said, okay, we're going to re-domicile our manufacturing assets. We're going to close down our ability to make stuff. And we're going to do this massive labor arbitrage where we're going sen- to send all the jobs to you and we get a bunch of plastic we do not need in return. And the robber barons that made those deals, and I don't say that lightly because I'm a capitalist, but it was bad for the West, designed this entire thing. And, but when you have a relaxed monetary currency, which we do, it necessitates neoliberalism. Who were the architects of that deal in 1999? Um, well, Bill Clinton signed it, but it was largely driven by consultants. McKinsey and Company was the largest company that was basically pushing um, you know, the kind of idea that 
we're going to go to a company and say we'll be able to solve. You see right there, McKinsey and Company, right there. It what was that 2019. Yeah. And we're going to go in. We'll save you, you know, pennies on a dollar. You know, you could make this trinket in China for this. Even this tie right here is made in China. I was like wearing it earlier. Are you kidding me? Why can't we make this here? It's because, you know, we want to try to get the lowest cost. And for certain products, it made sense. But why do we make penicillin and vitamin C? 90% of all of our vitamin C comes from China. Like, that makes no sense. And so we, we offshored our critical infrastructure to a country that seemed to be kind of a passive country and it's now turned into our greatest enemy and what have we gained from that just lower prices when I'll, you go to walmart i'll tell you what we've gained our homes are twice as big as they were in the 1950s with twice as much garbage that we do not use and they're half as they're um half filled they're twice as empty because we have less kids so we have we have piles of plastic we do not use and factories that are empty and then in return we fill our entire communities with fentanyl made by the chinese communist party pumped through by the sinola drug cartel and we lose 107,000 people a year to drug overdoses. And we'll take it another step closer to home, and I'll teach, I'm teaching people new words today, Pat. Mekiladora. Mekiladora means little sister. Mekiladora was the concept of putting a small factory in Mexico where the labor was cheaper and products could be made, and then they would take a very short walk to the United States. Yep. So if that WTO deal doesn't happen in favor of China, it would have turned Mexico into the larger manufacturing power. That's exactly and right. what would have happened to the Mexican economy? You would have had the eruption, the good eruption of the middle class in Mexico. That's such a good and point. you can trace it exactly right, right back to the issues that we have with Mexico, to the gang style violence that there are in terms of controlling government areas in Mexico, whereas if this happened, you would have turned them into to 1950s United States manufacturing power. And what would have that done to our relationship with Mexico to the it south? It would have made our continent a superpower continent is what it would have done. Why and did so, not we have the foresight to do something like that? Because you could make it for cheaper. They were chasing the labor costs. He's absolutely correct. Labor. And, and, and I hate to be that blunt, but the Chinese Communist Party basically said, pennies per wage hour for us to be able to make a shoe. And they were chasing the wage hour. And look, I'm a capitalist. I'm a free market guy. But also, I want markets to point towards something virtuous and good. And not every deal you do is going to always be in that proper context. The Chinese Communist Party deal is a bad deal. And the people that defend it, it's indefensible. I mean, what we have as a casualty is we have become more in like an owned and operated colony of the CCP. It's breakable. It's breakable for many reasons because we still have a free society and they don't. The fact we have somewhat of a free society is our great competitive advantage. That right there is how we beat them. If you unshackle the American entrepreneur, we run circles around these people because you cannot possibly quantify or measure 20 or 30 million free people taking risks. That will beat a CCP oligarch every day. That's a planned economy. Now, they have a mixed economy, but they still are not figuring out entrepreneurship there because they have to, comp they have to control. They have to confiscate wealth. It's still fear-based. It's, it's still freedom-based. Fear a true yeah. free society economically could destroy these guys in a decade. And what you don't realize is you're seeing a reflection of 1950s and 60s Soviet Union where they tried to put in place these five-year economic plans centered around crop plans and yep. agriculture. And we're going to export to Europe, and that's where we're going to get our power out of it. And they, they had a couple things. They had uranium. They had limited LNC because of the extraction that they were going at that time. Blah, 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 blah. Well, guess what? 
That is exactly what you're seeing happen here, is these limited economic plans that are based on control of the populace, the labor force, are not working for China just the same way they didn't work for this is, the Soviet Union. Can I ask you a question, Pat? Yeah. Because I know this is something that's near and dear in your heart. Obviously, you know, entrepreneurship, capitalism is the back bo- backbone of what Valuetainment is all about. You've interviewed, whether it's General Robert Spaulding, countless people that, uh, what, what's the one gentleman that you've had multiple times the... He's an expert in uh, China relations. You'll Gordon Chen. Gordon Chen, yeah, correct. He's, he's excellent. So when you say that China is fear-based, and Charlie corrected out that you, know, you have 20, 30 million entrepreneurs here in America that can spur American exceptionalism it's again. great economic what, where do you, like, what, what do you When you say fear-based with China versus— I'll give you a perfect idea. Yeah. So, so if I go to TSA Pre to get my TSA Pre card, you're in fear— because you're dealing with a government organization. Customer service is non-existent. The lady's talking to me as if I work for her. <laughs> I told you to be here 15 minutes ago. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I'm driving up. Are you serious? She's like, yes, I told you. I'm like, wow. Then go to Clear. You go to Clear. You know how they'll talk to you? Oh, my God, thank you so much for coming. And thank you for this. And thank you for that, Rob. If we can grab a bottle of water. So Clear will give you customer service because they you want your it. business. TSA Pre knows you don't have a choice. You best respect us, right? Fear free. TSA fear, mm-hmm. clear, free. America is free. Still, China is fear. You're afraid walking around. You got to make that guy happy, this guy happy, that guy happy, this guy happy. It's all about that. This is why some, by the way, earlier question I asked of you guys, and I asked Charlie, uh, Kelly, you can just bring it up. Earlier question I asked of uh, uh, Charlie, I said, what would happen? Thank you. To America today, if Elon doesn't buy Twitter, if Spotify doesn't drop, if Spotify drops Rogan, Rogan. let's say, and a rumble isn't there, what would happen? Entrepreneurs are going to fix 95% of the world's problems. Because in climates like this, you don't think YouTube in their board meetings, they're talking about Rumble right now? What do you think they're talking about? (laughs) You don't think Facebook and YouTube and all those guys are sitting there pissed off at Elon for allowing freedom of speech? You don't think they're – you don't think YouTube and all the Silicon Valley people are not pissed off at Sweden? Daniel for not dropping Rogan? How dare you not drop Rogan? How dare you not drop Rogan? capitalist expose bad arguments and that's what what's happening right now i want to transition into a couple other things as a parent of seven months yes seven months which is exciting life-changing life you cannot your 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 eyes man tell a story right now i remember having our first yeah as parents you know uh you think about these things now where before when you were single you're like maybe it's not as big of a deal biden says transgender people shape our nation's soul i've never heard this before (laughs) An official proclamation, okay? President Biden's issued an official proclamation uh, declaring March 31st as the Transgender Day of Visibility, stating that transgender Americans shape our nation's soul and contribute to society in various fields, including the military, medicine, politics, and business. He also expressed concern over discriminatory state laws targeting transgender youth and the epidemic of violence against transgender women and girls, particularly women and girls of color. Anyways, he keeps going on and on. And you see what, you know, Jean-Pierre, Corinne Jean-Pierre was talking about. And then I saw a clip. I want to play this clip for you if you can. Rob, if you can play play that clip uh, off of Twitter. And I want to get your reaction. This this kid is 11 years old. I'm sure you've seen this. 
He gets up there speaking to the board, then his father speaks yeah, afterwards. Can you play this clip real quick, Rob? Hi, my name is Knox Zajac. Uh, I'm 11 years old, and I go to Wyndham Middle School. I'm a sixth grader. I was in the library, and this book was on a stand. I'd like to read you a page. My back over my hips as I ask if we should take off, take our clothes off. And he's saying yes before I finish my sentence. He's pulling off my t-shirt, laughing when I can't undo his shirt buttons. He's undoing my belt. I'm reaching into his bedside Press drawer for a condom. I think you got another video playing in the background, Rob. Yeah, you got some kind of another clip playing in the he's background. Just got a lot of tabs open. Yeah, you got one other clip that because that music doesn't match it. It's kind of strange. Yeah, very strange. Yeah, exactly. In a, in, a, in a exactly the same way you're thinking about it, I'm thinking about it. Like, that doesn't fit. No. Okay, go back to it and play it. AI could replace. No, you still There's got another clip playing, Rob. I'm happy to comment on it. Yeah, like, go ahead. Comment it. on it until he finds the video. Yeah, look, this is happening in school districts across the country. Basically, the kid goes on to read an incredibly graphic and pornographic piece of literature that is presented prominently in a middle school library. And he said is, it was like the first book when he walked correct. in, which is insane. It's outright grooming. It's and his father yeah. comes up afterwards. And, oh, and, his father was yeah. and I, I, very I look, upset. I do not mean to make this political because it should not be political. Mm -hmm. But I will make it political because Ron DeSantis, to his great credit, said that has no place in schools. And they called him a book banner. The Democrat Party says that's okay. And that needs to really set into people. Again, I, I, I hope it's not political. I don't think most Democrats even support that crap. But as a political issue, they went after Ron DeSantis for trying to say this has no place in our schools. And you read this, you listen to this graphic telling, and by the way, that's one of thousands of examples that we have found. There is a targeted campaign that is reflected in some pieces of legislation now in California to say that it's okay to rob a child of their innocence. It's not a big deal. In fact, it's a good thing. See, the, the problem, Rob, do you have it now? Or if you can so. play it, I want, I want to see him reading this, the reaction. Go to, yeah, go to 10 seconds into it. There you go. Press play without the... Yeah. I was in the library, and this book was on a stand. I'd like to read you a page. My back over my hips as I ask if we should take off, take our clothes off. And he's saying yes before I finish my sentence. He's pulling off my t-shirt, laughing when I can't undo his shirt buttons. He's undoing my belt. I'm reaching into his bedside drawer for a condom. We're kissing again. We're rolling over. Obviously, you can see where this is going. I don't know if it's because we're feeling especially emotional or just tired. Or these past couple of weeks have been too much. But this reminds me so much of the first time we had sex. We were both fucking terrified. And the whole thing was kind of terrible because we didn't know what we were doing Look at the moms but yeah, it was good thing. too so good because we were a mess of emotions and we were scared and excited and everything felt new so this sort of thing this sort of feels like that nick touches me like he's scared that any minute now this book was at my middle school and it was on a stand when i rented it out to show my dad it uh the librarian asked if i wanted more and if i wanted a graphic novel version Graphic novel version. That's a comic book. You, but of I, course. I, I, I'm, I'm only shocked people are surprised. This is, so this is everywhere. That kid's oh, father. Okay, good. I was asking for you. Yeah, I'll take another three minutes. So that's my son. 
okay. 11 years old, and went to his library and found that by the entry door of our library, this is the smut that he is finding, all right? I don't care whether it's gay, straight, bisexual, whatever the terms are for all this stuff, doesn't need to be at our school, doesn't need to be at my 11-year-old's library. And then as far as genderqueer, I've got a son in the high school as well. And this is bullshit. We know it, all right? We do not need to be having literature that's showing boys how to suck dick, all right? This is, I'm very, very frustrated about it, okay? And you may think that schools know the best for our children. You know who know the best for our children? The parents. This is not an isolated example. There's thousands and thousands. No, of no doubt about it. This is why gays against groomers are doing what they're doing. And they're we had them on two weeks ago. Good yeah. So, but, but for me, you know how uh, uh, historically there are some arguments that Republicans lost where they lost 92% of the black vote when they lost at Barry Goldwater. You look at how some arguments where, you know, you lost the Hispanic vote because, hey, they're for this. This is the kind of thing that could dramatically turn parents against the Democratic vote. Because it, it, say somebody that just votes just to vote, and they don't think about all the details that's going on, but they say, wait a minute, I'm voting for this, and that's what the Democrats support. I just don't support that. So they may go independent. They may go, I know earlier today you were saying Joe Manchin was on uh, a show where they were asking him, yeah, saying, hey, are you, is there with, any chance that Chuck you could Todd, run? And yeah. he said, hey, you may run as an independent. Yeah. There's going to be uh, opportunities to look elsewhere because the Democratic Party argument today is losing a lot of logical arguments for parents. I completely agree. I think it's an uh, opportunity for the, uh, for the other side to make the presentation to connect with the parents. A couple other stories before we wrap up. I want to talk about this wonderful capitalist. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He's one of the best capitalists out there uh, who uh, uh, is becoming a little bit more proud and proud to talk about it. His name is Bernie Sanders, if you've oh, heard yeah? this guy That's before. Right. Why doesn't he's, he give his book away for he, free? Yeah, he's got a net worth somewhere between 5 to $8 million. He was upset when, when he was called out on it earlier. I want you to play the clip first, Rob, of what happened with him and uh, uh, the, what's his name, Mark Wayne Mullen, when they're going back and forth, just play the first. Uh, uh, if you can, uh, I don't know if you have the clip. It's the Forbes clip. I send it to. It's on YouTube. It's not on. Uh, it's not on. It's a YouTube link I sent you. If you go on YouTube and you type in Bernie Sanders and you type in his name, Mark Wayne Mullen, you'll see it. And it's go to the second one, the seven minute one. Yeah, the, obviously we're not going to watch the whole thing, but I want you to start it off. So first of all. They cut off Howard Schultz, the founder of Starbucks. He lets him finish his thought. He finishes the story, then he comes back. And go about 20 seconds into it and press play, and then we want to see the last minute. As you might imagine, go uh, a little bit further until he stops talking. I'm very curious to understand what happened in Buffalo. Right there. You're anti-union. As a CEO, you're anti-union busting, or you're for union busting. I'm not saying you're anti-union. I'm just saying that it seems like to me as a former CEO, not nearly at the success that you were at, sir, and I'm not trying to defend your company uh, because, quite frankly, politically, we're on totally different ends of the spectrum. Um, and so the irony of this hearing is actually kind of this funny. worth around $70 million. And I do want to point out some hypocrisy about this hearing with the chairman. Watch and this. And it's not trying to get personal. All this information is going to be very public. 
But the fact that you can't defend your company because you want to have a good relationship with your employees and you believe in employee value, which we all do. Any CEO knows that the success of our companies are based on our employees. We get that. Um, but it seems like unions today, all they want to do is fight with, the, with, the, with their, their employees or their employer. The same employer that is hiring those, those team members. And that friction causes a, a, a very volatile and, 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 and tough workplace. And if the company and the employees aren't the same boat, we're in the same, boat, in the same direction. Can you go ten seconds? Keep going ten seconds. says Bernie is worth to eight million. Keep going. And and and, and unions just, themselves. Just keep test the ten seconds. Test the union. 10 you can never be an executive. Yeah. You, but I take offense to to the, the chairman pointing out Let's that all CEOs are corrupt because they're millionaires. You know, if you make a lot of money, you're you're corrupt. If yet. No. It, it, yet it, it's, it. it's bothering it. yeah. to me because, Mr. Chairman, you yourself have been very successful. Rightfully so. Glad you have. And you've been in office for 28 years, and you and your wife has, have, have immersed a wealth of over $8 million. And, and, and in fact, your quote on, 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 being, on, on being wealthy and being a millionaire was, well, if you write a bestseller, you can be a millionaire, too. If you can be a millionaire, why can't Mr. Schultz and other CEOs be millionaires and be honest, too? If that's the case, then why is it that Mr. Schultz, who actually creates jobs and a bestseller of a book, isn't creating any jobs? Why is it that he's corrupt and you're he's not? straight up went at him. Why is it that all CEOs are corrupt because they're wealthy and yet our chairman, who is wealthy, and I'm glad you are, you're not? So fast guys, forward now when they have their back and forth and he's trying to defend it, he says this is the... Most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. To be keep successful going, keep, there you go, right there. Go ahead. Thank you. Well, let me respond. The senator did mention my name, I think. And I think you got an all-time record here. You've made more misstatements in a shorter period of time than I have ever heard. Please correct well, me. Well, if I'm worth $8 million, dollars, excuse me. It's all public. Excuse me. Yeah, go ahead. All right. Excuse me. Yes, sir. If I'm worth $8 million, that's good news to me. I'm not aware of it. That's a lie. All right. Number two. Part of public records. You're probably looking at some phony right-wing internet stuff. It ain't true. <laughs> no. All right. You should read beyond that. It is not true. It's part right? of public records. It, no, it is not public record. Okay. Well, you made 1.7 million on your public book. record. You made 1.7 right? on your book. Excuse me. I've got the mic now. Number two, I have you want to a mic now. Okay, you can pause it here. I'll, I'll get some comments, and then I'm going to show one-minute clip, and then we'll wrap it up. Go ahead. When you see something like this with Bernie going after guys like Howard Schultz, who's you know, created 402,000 yes. jobs, what do, you, what do you think about this exchange? Well, I'm an entrepreneur. You're an entrepreneur. Creating value is hard, and it takes risk. And you need capital, and you need labor. You need a balance between the two. But you have no... You have no value created unless you have an individual with a drive and the ambition to work the extra nights, wake up the early mornings, and assume all of the responsibility. You see, all Bernie looks at is the advantage, but he does not realize that at any time when he was CEO of Starbucks, while he was the sole owner, he could have been open to lawsuits, he could have been open to you know mass client walkouts, and if it goes bankrupt, who's the one that then has to go to bankruptcy court? Are the employees then going right. to bankruptcy court? No, they go find another job. No, but when you're an entrepreneur, you're not saying, okay, I want the upside, but I want the downside. And guess what? Most of businesses in America go to the downside direction. They do not succeed. That doesn't mean they go bankrupt, but they shudder, they fold, or they get bought, or they just kind of taper out. And so it's very easy to criticize Howard Schultz. And I have a lot of problems with Starbucks as a company politically, but that is an 
unbelievably hard business to scale. I can't think of a, I mean, maybe your business, Patrick, might be harder, but I mean, <laughs> I, 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 it's pretty impressive. But I mean, I gotta be honest. Selling insurance but, is harder but, than coffee. But, but think about it. The la- it's labor intensive. Yeah. It's a, he turned a commodity into something that was special. So coffee was never something that was, you know, considered to be an experience or worth paying up for. So he, he upsold something that was just so widespread that people would have in their homes. And you have to hire hundreds of thousands of people. The turnover is immense. You got to train them. You have to have the rent. The, and you got to scale it against also once you create the genre of coffee service immediately of a thousand competitors, right? Dunkin' Donuts changed their model, Krispy Kremes, and he still stayed excellent. And so- McDonald's built cafes. Yes, that's right. And he still pummeled them. And he still did a good job. And their coffee's not even that good at Starbucks. And he kept on doing it. And I mean, I don't think it's very good compared to most other, but I think it's admirable the way Howard Schultz defended himself because he said, look, I earned that money. And that's my, one of my favorite that's words right. in the English language that's right. is earn. That's right. And, and they tr- a, he tried to cut him off, by the that's way. That's right. And Bernie Sanders has not earned anything. Yeah. Now, he might have some book deals or whatever, but Bernie Sanders has never, because he's a bum. He was a bum mayor of Burlington. He was a bum failed congressman, and he's a bum senator. He's never created any value in his life where he's had to say, you know what? I'm going to take risk. I'm going to assume responsibility to create voluntary value where someone's going to want to transact with me. And so Bernie Sanders enjoys being rich. He does not know what it takes to get there. But it's really the core element of the socialist um, worldview, resentment. I, I want to show this. So Sorry, for the longest time, I love yeah. that, by the way. For the longest time, he would always criticize millionaires, millionaires and billionaires, millionaires and billionaires, millionaires and billionaires. There's this one-minute clip that was done by Think Progress. They're no longer around. It was, done, it was ran by a guy named Judd, I want to say, and – you know, they were more on the Hillary Clinton side. So they did not like a socialist yeah. getting the momentum that we're getting. for American progress. So yeah. he made this video, this one-minute video on Twitter, if you can go to it, with the timeline. It's not this one, Rob, if you can find it. He made this one-minute video. It's just go to my Twitter. Go back to my Twitter account. And uh, uh, if, if you – oh, you should find it, Rob, if you – again, this is one I text you as well. Right there, right there. If you can zoom out on that one. Now watch this. When you zoom out, okay, play it from the beginning. Just watch when he stops saying millionaires. So if I'm a millionaire. What millionaires and billionaires. For billionaires and millionaires. For millionaires and billionaires. So good. See this when he gets the books. A proliferation of millionaires and billionaires. Now watch when millionaires and billionaires of millionaires and billionaires. Day to the Millionaires and billionaires. Millionaires and billionaires. This video is made by a Democrat. Millionaires. Millionaires and billionaires. Millionaires and billionaires. Millionaires and billionaires. Well, now he's a millionaire. 2016. This is a budget of the billionaire class, <laughs> by the billionaire class, and for the billionaire class. But enough about billionaires me. in his administration. Billionaires. Billionaires and the wealthiest people. Billionaires and the wealthy. A handful of billionaires and other billionaires. It's billionaires. Allow billionaires. Multi-millionaires and billionaires. Of multi-millionaires and billionaires. If you are a billionaire not or just in the millionaires. top 1%, we will be an administration for the working families of this country and not 
for billionaire campaign contributors. The day he becomes a billionaire, it'll be called a trillionaire. I mean, that's, that's his formula right there on what he does. Charlie, you see something like that, what do you think about? I got a lot of work to do because he influences a lot of young people. And it's very easy to be generous with other, other people's money. Value is hard to come by. A free society allows people to use their reason and their agency and their abilities to create something ex nihilo, out of nothing. And we live in the wealthiest, most prosperous society ever for a reason. And he's trying to stop that. His ideas are directly against what has made the society so wealthy and prosperous, and which really is that entrepreneurial underbelly. But what's, what's Charlie's uh, long-term vision to wrap up? It's for me. Does Charlie Kirk have any vision of one day being a president? I don't know. I, I no. But the what I get asked, I get asked all the time. Charlie, you going to run for office? All this. I love what I get to do. I do three hours of radio every day. We're one of the most successful podcasts out there. Please subscribe, everybody, if you can. You can take out your Apple Podcast and subscribe. Put the link below, Rob, Thank so you. we can make sure they can see it. That would bless me. Thank is it you. Turning Point USA or well, is it Charlie separate. Kirk? And I'll, I'll get to that. Yeah, so I, I, I love what I, I – I love to educate. I love to learn. I love to read all weekend and then try to distill those ideas in ways that people can understand. That's where I'm my most passionate. And then we have Turning Point USA, which is our movement of – Hundreds of thousands, soon to be millions of people that believe in freedom, fighting for it. And so I'd rather be a movement leader and a thought leader than just a politician. That, that, that's where I find myself to have the biggest impact and the most joy. But we don't know, right? And you got to keep a little bit open. You don't know what's going to happen. Well, first of all, I can't. I'm 29 years old, so I can't legally run for the presidency. Six more so years. I don't want to be president. Long time. I, I think it would be a crummy job. I, I have a lot of work to do, okay? It'd be a crummy job? Think about it. I mean— it, it depends under the circumstances, but you got you got nonstop pressure. you got the deep state coming you after like you all the it, time. Though. You like it, though. You like no, a fight. I, mean, I the, do love the, the fight. That's that the true. job of a fighter, I'm not going to run for president. Yeah, I'm well, not doing that. The, I, good, the my, good thing is today they came out with uh, some, somebody that researched the other saying the average person. There's going to be people born today that are going to live up to 140 years. So essentially we have 111 more years to go. It's like in the days of Noah, literally. <laughs> In the scriptures, they say you're going to be living in the days of Noah. Now I know we're living in the days of Noah. The sons were 100 yeah. when they went That's on that That's right. Show. That's exactly but right. I, I'll say one thing to you. Uh, I've seen a ton of your clips online. I, I completely appreciate how you walk into enemy territory and hold people accountable. And a lot of times their, their arguments are Silly. just emotional. And you have logic and facts on your side, so that's respect. Um, what campuses can we see you on coming sure. up? I think you're a very necessary voice, especially where we see the direction that Gen Z is going. What's, uh, what's that looking like in the future? Yeah, so we just finished our campus tour. I did my mostly peaceful campus visit at University of California, mm -hmm. Davis, where they, they sent Antifa and they came with weapons and made big news. Elon Musk commented on it. It was all over the place. Uh, but we just finished our campus tour. Uh, we have some big events coming up. They can go to tpusa.com. Uh, start a high school or a college chapter with Turning Point USA. That is our movement. Uh, it's the crux of everything I do and we do. Um, the field program is the largest ever pro-freedom field program in the history of the country. And we have people that disagree with us. In fact, if you look at our campus events, we're, I'm really proud of this. Anytime I speak anywhere, I have anyone who disagrees go to the front of the line. And, in fact, I tell the crowd not to boo them or heckle them. I love the fight. I love dialogue. In fact, I think that's what makes us human. Dialogue literally means through reason, through the logos. I think when we stop talking, we go into a totalitarian 
you know, dystopia. And I think we have to have more difficult conversations, lean into the topics that are considered to be politically incorrect or third rail. Um, and it makes life fun and interesting and worth living. Well, Charlie, it's, it's been great having you on. Like Adam said, we, we agree you're a very, very necessary voice. Thank you. And you're going to be a force to be reckoned with for decades to come, whether it's an office or doing what you're doing or something new. Who knows what's going to happen, but we're looking forward to it either way. Thank you. Appreciate you for coming on, gang. If you're watching this, make sure to go click on a link below, subscribe to his podcast, follow him with all the links that, that we have below. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye, bye-bye.